turning to the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4. Those were the words we heard a moment ago in, in uh, the video. They were the words that really comprise the essence of what we're going to be studying today, Philippians chapter 4. Several years ago, our church family was immersed in a project to purchase this property where we are now. It was a project that was very exciting. It was a project that brought us uh, with, with hope-filled hearts to work together. We received offerings. We did all the things we knew to do. But as we approached the day where we were supposed to close the escrow on the property, it became apparent that we weren't just a little bit short. We were a lot bit short. And really, the prospect of receiving another offering, I, I knew it was just something that uh, we, we didn't need to do. We'd already had many opportunities to give, and our church family had been so faithful. And, and there's not many things in life as lonely as leadership, especially when things don't seem to be going well. And I was feeling kind of like the loneliest man on planet Earth. I did what I often do. I decided to spend some time in prayer. I don't always respond like that, but I remember in this instance, I thought, you know, if ever I've really needed the Lord, it's now. And man, I went to God in prayer, and I prayed fervently, and, and that was a, a great comfort, and there was a great help found in that. But also, there was an occasion for me to find more biblical teaching, and the Bible teaches that it's good to have counselors. There's safety in a multitude of counselors. And I picked up the phone and called someone who's been a great counselor to me. He's my older brother, but he also pastors a wonderful church and he's been a blessing to me in my life. And, and I called him and I shared with him what we were going through. And I remember as we talked, he, he uh, said some things to me and, and quite often he'll just give me a pep talk. That'll be the end of it. Or he'll give me the phone call equivalent of a kick in the seat of the pants, you know. But either way, it's good and needful. And, and I thought he'd say a few words and hang up. But I think he could tell I wasn't real thrilled about the way things were going. He said, Steve, I'm heading out of town tomorrow to preach. Why don't you go with me? And I said, you're not listening to me. I'm broke. It takes money to have a trip. He said, Steve, you meet me at the airport. I'll take care of everything. The next day, I got up real early, made my way to Burbank, and met him there in the airport. Sure enough, he took care of, of everything. We flew into Portland, drove over to a town adjacent to Portland, and, and uh, he preached, and we stayed in a hotel that night. I ate food. I, I, I want you to understand, I went somewhere I'd never been before, and, and, and my needs were met all along the way because of the person to whom I turned. I want us to see together today that God is that person for all of us. That we can turn to when we're not sure where else to go. We can turn to when we don't know how it's going to work out. And, and he'll make the journey with us. And he'll meet our needs along the way. Our current series has been entitled, I Am. And we learned last week that in the book of Exodus, God introduced himself to Moses as I Am, that I Am. Moses said, who do I tell him sent me? God said, I Am. And so we, we're beginning to understand some great truths uh, about the nature of God. And the Bible tells us that... God is a God that provides for his own. He's a providing God. You know, we live in an amazingly complex world that changes in a moment's notice. We, we think of the magnitude of the problems we're all facing, the uncertainty. We think of the global upheaval, earthquakes, and various uh, weather phenomena around the globe. Our, our world seems to be in an upheaval. We think of the global economic turmoil. We think of the epic unemployment. There's uncertainty everywhere, which is why I'm so thankful to be able to bring you a message from the Bible today that tells us how we can have a security and an insecure and uncertain world. And it's found in God. 
King David lived a long life, and in Psalm 37, he said this, I've been young, and now I'm old. He said, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. What was David saying? He said, I don't know all there is to know, but he said, I've lived a long time, and in my life, I've, I've never one time seen God let anybody down. He seems to provide. He seems to meet needs. He seems to care. We have a text before us today in Philippians 4 that not only tells us that God can provide, it really tells us how he provides. And it's a truth that we all should really be interested in, something we all should seek to learn more about. If you have your Bibles open, I'm going to invite you to join me in verse 19. Verse 19, Philippians 4 and verse 19, the Bible says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. I love that expression, but my God shall supply all your need. In that, we find the first element that we're going to study today. We find the promise. God says, I'm going to supply for the need in your life. Now, the Apostle Paul was the human instrument through which the Holy Spirit gave us these words. But if Paul would have written that letter and said, listen, my friends in Philippi, you believers in, in Philippi, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet your needs. I'm going to take care of you. It would have been a nice gesture. It would have been a friendly offer. But everybody knew the Apostle Paul didn't have the ability to meet their needs. He might have wanted to. That would have been inadequate. If he would have just written him and said, if you have any problems, you let me know. They would have understood it just doesn't work out that way. But when he assured them that God would meet their needs, that was a promise they could take to the bank. A couple years ago, our family decided to drive to Colorado for a family vacation. I have family there. And, and uh, uh, have you ever noticed how hard you can work the few days before vacation? I wonder what would happen if we worked that way all the time, you know, but uh, I remember we were getting ready to go and burning the candle at both ends, and we were going to leave on a very, very, very early Monday morning, almost Sunday night, so early Monday morning, if you know what I'm talking about, and, and uh, Sunday kind of is a, a busy day for me, and it went late into the night, and I remember telling my wife and, and uh, my daughters, man, I, I'm tired. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up and stay awake, and, and uh, uh, you know, maybe we should push it back just a, a little. Oh, no, they said, we'll keep you awake. I thought, well, that's fair trade. So we got up, you know, it's dark, 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 early Monday morning and, and uh, uh, got a cup of coffee, got in the car and uh, we prayed together, Lord, keep us safe. And uh, I put it in reverse. I backed out of the driveway. When I turned around to put the car in drive, they were all asleep already. <laughs> Just that quick. Now, I've got a great family. I'm not insinuating they lied to me, but they made a promise they couldn't keep. They wrote a check that uh, they couldn't make good. They said we were going to do something, but when it came right down to it, uh, they couldn't quite follow through. And we've all had occasions like that. We've all had opportunities where we made a commitment and we, we really intended to follow through. We just weren't able. With God, his word is his bond. In Numbers 23, 19, the Bible says, God's not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God says, uh, listen, I can supply for all your need. I'll make it good. It might be helpful to notice, however, that God did not say, I'll supply for all your greed. You might say, well, pastor, we noticed that. It doesn't say that. But we're really living in one of these times in human history, I think, where that distinction between needs and greeds or wants, it's pretty thin, razor thin. 
we are a people that we know what we want and we want it right now. And quite often, we don't even think of the long-term ramifications of living that right now type of a lifestyle. I think an example that we could all relate to is our national debt. Now, I'm not going to pick on any one group. I think we've all voted for people, and I think everyone that's been voted in office has contributed, it would appear, to the problem that we face as a nation. There was a time where people would work their entire lives through and prepare for their own retirement, and also they would have the hope of leaving something to their children. They wanted to leave, leave something to their kids. We're not leaving things to our kids anymore. In fact, what we're doing is it's kind of back to the future type of thing. We're stealing from them. Ryan and Robin, welcome to new baby to the world this week. She's about $45,000 in debt. Just because she was born in America. Now, somebody could say, well, yeah, look around. Look at all the great things. We're leaving for them, the infrastructure. But the reality is the vast majority of those monies spent, the overwhelming majority, have been, have been spent out on entitlement programs. And again, I'm picking on everybody. So if, if, if you want to get offended, all of you go ahead. I'm not singling any one person out. This is how it works. Politicians get elected by interest groups. And what they do is, is people say, show me the money. And they figure out where do these people want to be bought off. They, they lobby as hard as they can to get the funds they need to pay off their voting block. And and it's become a system where it's greedy all the way through. Greedy people begging off of, off of the government. Greedy politicians doling out the funds to get the votes. We live in a very greedy world. And I want you to know, we all can be as greedy as the next guy. I heard of a little boy that went shopping with his mom one day, all day, all day. It came near the end of the day and a person working at the cash register commented to the, to the mom, your, your boy's really behaving himself. And he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't listening. And, and the mom said, son, what do we say to uh, the lady here at the register? And he said, charge it, you know, <laughs> put it on the credit card. That's all he'd heard. And we all can appropriate that mentality. And, and here's the point I want to make before we move on quickly. If we live a life that, that says, you know, I want to have my greeds met and I found creative means whereby I can finance the, the acquisition of, of these greeds. If we choose to go that route, we'll never know the joy of a heavenly father who provides for our legitimate needs. If we get out ahead of God and find a way to make it all happen on our own and neglect to consider the long-term ramifications, we're going to get what we want, and we're going to get it now, and we're actually going to get more than we bargained for down the road. We need to have that heart that says, Lord, I want to I believe your promise and live based on your promise. But we find to this promise a premise. That is the foundation for the promise. And that's found in the verses preceding the Verse we're studying today, verse 19, the first word in verse 19 is a conjunction. Forgive me, my mom was an English teacher, okay? Conjunction, junction, any of you hear that one? And what do conjunctions do? They tie thoughts together. Verse 19 is not a standalone verse, it's connected to the thoughts preceding verse 19. So let's go back a few verses and, and try to put this in context and discern the, the premise. Verse 15 here in Philippians 4 says this, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. Now I'm going to read on. What's Paul saying? Paul said, you know, 
I want to commend you because you communicated with me in giving and receiving. That's a fancy way of saying you guys sent offerings so that God's work could be expanded. Paul, we know, is a missionary, and he said, uh, you guys, you, you, you were wonderful. You gave so God's work could be expanded, and uh, he commends them for that. He said, for even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The point, friends, is this. Their giving to God and the work of God was so generous that God looked into their lives and found them to be good investments of the blessing that he wanted to give. Now, that's a spiritually discerned truth, which oftentimes means without the Spirit, we're not going to discern it. There is something that a life that is lived by faith can see that other lives can't see. And the Bible is sharing with us that, that there's a perspective that grows in our lives. And we need to discern that God says, when you're faithful with what you have, I'm going to bless you with more. We sometimes think of the blessing of God. If, if God will give me this, then in the future I'm going to do that. And God doesn't look at it that way. God's looking at the present right now. He, he doesn't want to know what you will do when that windfall comes to you. He wants to know what you are doing with what you have right now, presently. And he said the blessing always follows. It follows. Are you being faithful? I'm looking forward to what God can do through our special offering as a church last week, or next week rather, with all my heart offering. It's a great opportunity. And we talked about opening more space for the children, and, and it will then be a blessing also to the youth group, open more classes for the adults, and, and uh, the various projects, the resealing, striping the parking lot and signage, and, and on and on, we've talked about it. Someone could ask, well, why would we do anything like that? I mean, good night, I, I could get my car in the parking lot okay, and if it's just a generated to gravel, it's not that big a deal. And there's a seat in here for me right now, and, and uh, I don't even have kids anymore, and I, I never did like teenagers to begin with. Who cares if they have a spot, and you know. Why would we ever do anything to bring any type of discomfort or sacrifice to our lives? And if you're a Christian, the answer should be obvious. Because we don't do what we do for us. We're to be ambassadors for Christ. We've been left on this planet for one main reason. As I often say, so many of the things we do as Christians we'll be able to do in heaven. We're here today to get the gospel message out to as many people as we possibly can. We live in a community with people that would love to know what the gospel message is all about. And friends, excuse me, but without a place to park their car and a place to put their children where their children can have a great time and learn, without a place for their teenagers to have a place where they can go, and, and, and without the opportunity to develop small groups, we're not possibly going to make the impact that God would have us to make. You see, we're going to give to these projects, but let us keep it straight. What we're really doing is giving to the Lord and saying, God, we believe in your work and we want your work to expand. We want your work to grow. You see, the gospel message, the good news, it's just too good to keep to ourselves, God says. I want you to share it. And that means from time to time, we're going to go above and beyond. We're going to go out of our way to reach out to people. You see, this principle applies to individuals, to families, to churches. If we're faithful to use what God has given us for his glory, then he'll see to it that we have what we need 
as we move ahead by faith. Luke 16, 10 says this. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. God is saying we're to be faithful with whatever we have, wherever we are in life. In Luke 6, the Bible says this, give and it shall be given unto you. It doesn't say as I give unto you, give, although that's true. He says, give, I'm going to uh, acknowledge your faith in that and I will bless your life for it. So we see the promise, we see the premise, but we find in this text also the proportion. I love the way the Bible in verse 19 says this, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, his riches in glory. How many of you would agree with me today that uh, uh, God, he, he's not hurting for cash, he's doing just fine? <laughs> okay, good, good. Most of us. Um, you see, God owns it all. He owns everything in the world. Everything in the world. Psalm 104, 24 says, O Lord, how manifold are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. He owns it all. You say, well, no, he can't own it all. I own, I own some of it. Okay, well, when your life comes to an end, take as much as you can, okay? It's all his, friends. He lets us play with his toys for a while, but they're all his. But there's more to it than earth. His riches in glory. Glory. It doesn't work this way, the way I'm getting ready to tell you. It's just a story. An angel came to a man and said, it's your time. It's your time. Let's go. The man said, let me, let me grab my bag. He said, sir, listen, I'm taking you to heaven. You, you don't need a bag in heaven. We're going to take care of everything. Don't worry about it. Let's go. Come on. And he said, I'm not leaving without my bag. And the angel said, sir, I've got a schedule to keep. I've got places to go. Uh, come on. We need to go. And the man said, you're not listening to me. I'm not leaving without my bag. And the angel finally relented. He was just busy. He wanted to get it over with. He said, fine, grab your bag and Sure enough, took the man to heaven. Again, it doesn't work this way, okay? Just a story. And uh, so he gets to heaven, and the man has his bag, and it's heavy. He's dragging it all around, all around. And people are wondering, what in the world is so precious to this guy? He's just, you know, being almost belligerent with an angel. And uh, uh, he pulls uh, over to the side of a road here and sits down, and he opens his bag, and he smiles. And, and uh, he'd invested his whole life in gold, and he wasn't about to leave it behind. And he pulled out these gold bars, and people walking by said, why did he bring pavement to heaven, you know? Sometimes the things that are so valuable to us, that was pretty pathetic, ha, 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 you know. All right, I tried. It's not as easy as it looks, okay? But at any rate, sometimes the things that we think are just so precious and such valuable commodities, we need to view that against the reality that it's all God's. Psalm 50 and verse 10 says, Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle upon a thousand hills. And the Bible says God will provide to you, for you, rather, according to his riches. The Bible is saying it's in proportion. Our need will never exceed his ability to provide. Never. He's a great God. God says this, all right, I'll shovel the blessings in, and you shovel them out. And I'll shovel blessings into your life, and you shovel the blessings out. And I'll shovel them in, and you shovel them out. And God says, by the way, my shovel's always bigger. He said, I'll add to your life. I'll, I'll add to the mosaic of, of who you are. I'll bring joy into your life. You see, God wants to give us an abundant life. In 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the Bible says this, God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye, 
always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. He wants us to abound in good works. I'd love to be able to stand up here and say, you know, everything I ever preach about, I'm perfect in it all. I'm perfect. Um, I'd love to say that my life has always been a perpetual picture of generosity. Let me tell you something. The Bible's true whether I agree with it or not, whether I practice it or not. But I, I want to just say by way of personal testimony, and I'm, this isn't a boasting statement is why I said all the rest. Every time in my life I've sought to really live as though all my stuff was God's, I've been blessed. Every time God's impressed on my heart, I want you to do this or go there or help this person or help in that way, and I've responded just as I felt the Lord was impressing, I've been better off for it, not worse off. Not worse off. God says, you know, I'm going to take care of you. You can trust me in this. We see the promise and, and the premise and the proportion. And we're going to close finally by thinking of the principle. The overarching truth is that we can uh, understand that God is able to be trusted. This sounds absurd, but not just with our soul, with the material as well. And that's how backwards we are today. Okay, I'll trust God with my eternal soul. Just not sure if I can trust him with my stuff, you know. You think I'd say, hey, you can trust God with your stuff. And by the way, even more than that, with your soul. But we're, we're so backwards, you know. I say, well, I'll trust God with that. It's not eternity yet. I can finance that, you know. No interest, easy payments, whatever. I'll worry about that down the road, okay. But uh, the, the principle is this. You can trust God with all the stuff in your life. Trust him. He'll provide. He'll provide. I love Psalm 23, don't you? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Is the Lord your shepherd? If you were writing the 23rd Psalm, could you say he's mine? Well, if he is, you can say I shall not want. I like the story I heard years ago of the little boy trying to quote the 23rd Psalm. And he said, the Lord is my shepherd, what else shall I want? You know, He was saying God is everything. God is is uh, the provider in life. The principle is that Jesus is enough. And as we learn to trust him and live for him, we'll find that his provision will be seen through our lives. When we started, I told you about a time when I was feeling a little bit down. And I called someone who, who was a blessing and a help to me, my brother. As we had an opportunity to spend some time together, I was helped. I was encouraged. But the life lesson came when we returned from that trip. I really believe the Lord had led us into the project to buy this property. And we'd worked as hard as we could. And we were just coming up short, man. No way around it. I mean, we were coming up like $100,000 short of closing escrow. Began to go through the paperwork and found some papers that should have been pointed out and were not readily understood. Began to look at this and we found out that this building is 90 by 90. And the dirt underneath this building is one parcel all by itself. The building was owned by a different entity that rented it out to a bank. Long story, but the bank that had leased this property had 12 years left on their lease. They were bought out by Washington Mutual that no longer needed the branch. It was just sitting here. Just sitting here. I mean, this building was vacant for the better part of 10 years before we got in here. You may not believe this is possible, but I'll make a long story short. 
after a few phone calls, that bank wired on the day that our escrow closed $100,000 to our account. Now, I, I know to the cynical, that's a coincidence, and some of you wouldn't even believe it. Those of you that were around, Brother tells you, you know, uh, many of you know, no, that's how it happened. Some people say, well, that, that's just, you know, that's just, it was a coincidence, and others would say, I don't believe you. Um, let, let me just say this. That was a glaring example from God Almighty to Coastline Baptist Church. You be faithful. You follow me. You do what I tell you to do, and I'll provide. I'll meet your needs. I'm there for you as you follow me. Friends, it's worked before, and it'll work again. And it's worked for others, and it can work for you. There's no doubt in my mind that we're rightly dividing this passage of Scripture. There's no doubt, in other words, that God has laid this out there for all of us. No question about it. The question today is this. Are we willing to take God up on his word? Living life on his terms. Our Father, thank you today for an opportunity to learn and grow. And I would ask you, Lord, to help us to be sensitive to your leading. God, it's just so incredibly ironic that we would claim to trust you with something that's eternal and have a hard time with the, the temporal, the temporary things. We thank you that you are a God that provides. Minister to hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a moment's time, we'll be on our way. Perhaps you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor, I've got an area or two in my life where I could use the provision of God himself. Maybe it's a relational need, maybe it's a career-related need, a need a health situation, but you'd say, Pastor, I'm glad to know we have a God that can provide. In fact, I, I, I need his provision right now in my life. And you'd say, Pastor, there's an area or two or three or more in my life where I, I need the touch of God. Are there those who'd be willing today just to lift a hand real quick and say, that's kind of where I'm at, Pastor. I wouldn't mind at all the provision of God in my life. Numbers of hands. Thank you. The majority of hands. You may put them down. That's great. Now, friends, in that verse, the Bible said that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. There's a provision that we all need, desperately need before we leave this life. And it's the provision of eternal salvation, and it's only found in Christ Jesus. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't pay your way to heaven. You don't give an offering to go to heaven. There's only one way, and that's by Christ Jesus. Faith in the person and work of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And maybe you're here today, you'd say, you know, Pastor, when people talk about eternity and heaven and what happens when we die and even the frightful thought of hell, maybe you'd say, you know, I'm not 100% certain. I, I don't know how it would all turn out. And I, I wouldn't embarrass or point anybody out today. I wouldn't do that. It says you're bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, the reality is I'm just not sure where I stand with God. I don't know if I were to die today that I'd spend eternity in heaven with him. Are there those today who'd be willing just to lift your hands real quick and say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I don't know that I'd spend eternity in heaven. Are there those like that? Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. Thank you. Thank you. 
Now, there are others you'd say, Pastor, I'm just not sure if I die today that I'd spend eternity in heaven. I'd like to know that. Perhaps there are other spiritual decisions that are on your heart. Maybe you've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized. Or maybe the Lord's prompting you to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. Hey, friends, there's not a single person in all of this world that should tell you what to do and you doing it without filtering it through what God wants you to do. And so today, the best counsel any pastor can give to anybody is follow the leading of God. Follow the leading of God. In a moment, we're going to have a song that we'll sing and we're going to come into the time of our service we call the invitation. Lots of people today raise their hands and and maybe what's on your heart is something you didn't raise your hand about, and that's fine at this point. But if you're here today and you're uncertain that you'd spend eternity in heaven, look, the decision's up to you, but would you give somebody the privilege of sharing with you from the Bible what God has to say about the subject? There's going to be men and ladies in the front who have their copy of God's Word. They'd love to share that with you. Maybe during this invitation time, you just want to spend a moment in quiet prayer alone. We call the front of a church an altar. And if you want to spend a moment of prayer there, it's available to you during that time. Or if you want someone to pray with you, they'll be available. It's a time of decision. Would you be so kind, please, as to join me in standing? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The music's beginning to play, and Brother Steve's going to come lead us in a song called I Surrender All. As the singing begins, that's your indication that it's time to come. It's time to come. Hey, let's do business with God. He's a God that provides. Let Him know the need and you'll be blessed by how He responds. As the singing begins, I'll invite you to come.